Praise God. Well, this morning we're going to talk more about the riches of his glory. And uh, Pastor Jen mentioned, was preaching on Wednesday night about the glory, and that just kind of hit me, like there's something there. I had a different message lined up until Wednesday. <laughs> but the message I had lined up was, was, uh, was kind of dry. <laughs> But after Wednesday, something changed, and the Lord said, okay, this is what you need to follow up on that. You need to stay on that trail. You know, sometimes we jump around too much with things, and we don't give enough time for root to get in there, to really plant and, and get established. And so um, it's good to camp on certain things. It's good to take your, your tent stakes out, if you will, and pound them in the ground and really camp on something until you get that breakthrough because then it becomes a part of you and that's the whole goal and that's the beauty of, of, of the glory is that God wants to take something and not just have it around you but he wants it in you he wants it deep inside of you there's a there's a porousness to us for the glory of God that he made us in such a way that that glory can soak and infiltrate us, influence us, and change us actually into the very image of who Jesus is. And so that's the beauty of it. You know, sometimes people come to church because it's, you know, they, they feel good and it's fun and there's all kinds of things that are more in the soulish realm which is okay because, you know, you can taste and see the Lord is good and it can draw people in. But where you really get locked in is when you get into the glory. You know, I think about Moses, for example. And here Moses, you know, he always had a sense that God had a purpose for his life. So much so that he refused to be called Pharaoh's son. I mean, he could have had it all. Just think about that. If there was anybody in, in a position in life that could have everything they want at their very fingertips, Moses was that man. But he knew in his heart that God had a purpose for his life. And his purpose was to deliver his people. So he refused what the world had to offer. And he made a sacrifice now, he tried to do some things in his own hands, got him in a little bit of a trouble, a little bit of a mess, but God, God had a way of working those things out, kind of humbling him, getting him off his high horse, if you will, getting him to a place where he could use him. So then God appears to him, and, and just think about all the things that Moses got to experience up to this certain point. The burning bush, God speaking to him, God working through him in miraculous ways. I mean, can you imagine, just, just for a moment, you're out by Lake Michigan, you've got a wooden stick in your hand, and you take that wooden stick, and you put it in the water, and it turns into blood. Whoa, that's pretty awesome. Like, wow. Wow. Going to the, the most powerful man in the world, which was the Pharaoh, 
and telling him certain things are going to be happening. You're not going to be happy with these things. And everything you said came to pass. The place got dark, like pitch black. There wasn't a light anywhere. Flies, frogs. I mean, just what a mess, right? Sleeping in bed and you got frogs crawling all over you. <laughs> and so here Moses is doing all of these signs and wonders, right? And then, and then the, 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 the icing on the cake, the cherry on the top was here he is at the Red Sea and he parts the Red Sea. Again, you're, you're standing in McKinley Marina at the lakefront. You know, they got that pier that goes out, right? And you're standing out on that pier and you lift up your hands and you command the water to part. And it parts all the way from Milwaukee to Michigan. And God used you to do that. Now, at this point, Moses could just settle in all of that. Like, I've experienced God this way. I've experienced God that way. God worked for me this way. God did this for me. This was exciting. This was awesome. And he could just stop right there and just kick back and say, man, what a ride with the Lord. But God calls him up to the mountain. Just him and God. He's all alone with God. And he has one prayer. One thing, he's just, he just begins to cry out. He says, God, I want to see your glory. I mean, I've seen your glory manifest. I've seen you do things. But all of this has just put such a hunger in my heart that I just want to know you more. I want to see you face to face. I want to know you in an intimate, deep, powerful, personal way. I want to get through all the garbage. I want to get through all of the different thoughts and, and ideas. And, and is, is God this way? Is God that way? Does God do this? Does God do that? Who, we are, who are you? I want to know you. And he goes up into this mountain, and he prays. And he says, Lord, let me see your glory. And the Lord says, okay, here's the deal. Go get some tablets. Get them ready. Bring them with you. So Moses goes, gets to work. He carves out some tablets, brings those up with him. Puts them down before the Lord. And the Lord says, now, I can't show you my face. I can show you my hinder parts. I don't get that yet. I haven't quite got the, the revelation on that yet. <laughs> like God just had to... Do you see me now? <laughs> Someday that'll be clear. Uh, and then he says, I'll make, I'll, I'll make all my goodness pass before you. And Moses was right there. And then the Lord began to manifest. And there was such a glorious presence of God. And when Moses saw that, 
where he wrote down <clears throat> in Exodus, <clears throat> excuse me, in uh, Exodus chapter 34. I'm going to need some glory on my eyes here. Here we go. <laughs> and the Lord sent unto Moses, <clears throat> yeah, told him to get the two tablets together. And so he comes up to meet him. And then when he's up in that mountain, the Lord makes all his goodness pass before him. And the Lord passed before him, uh, Exodus 34, verse 6, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity upon the fathers, upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and fourth generation. And then Moses began to fellowship with him. And he began to pray and talk with him. <clears throat> but he saw these things. Think about that. How do you see goodness? How do you see mercy? I mean, it's what color is it? Well, it's something that you necessarily don't see with your eyes, right? I mean, you can see it manifesting in another person. You can see a person that is good. You can see a person that is merciful. You can see certain attributes come out of a person. But here, Moses was looking at the back part of God, and he saw goodness. Like you see these walls. He saw mercy like you see the ceiling. He, he saw it. And you know, a lot of times people will say that when, they, when they've had a vision of the Lord or they, they've come before him and they saw him, there was automatically, they just felt so much love. The radiance of, that, of his personage came through them. Like they were, they were people that weren't even saved, people that were Muslims, people that you know, were, were totally rebellious against Christianity. But when they saw Jesus, immediately they felt that love. They knew that he was Jesus, the Messiah. He was God. They knew it. And the devil knows that. So what does the devil try to do? He tries to blind people's minds to keep them from seeing the goodness of who the Lord is. Because he knows if they can see the goodness of who the Lord is, they're just going to automatically believe. But Moses cried out for that. He wanted that. He said, I want to see God. I want that glory to manifest. And, and, and in that, God began to reveal himself who he is. And a lot of times, you and I are going through life, and we've got a lot of different filters on us. There's different things that have been spoken over our life. There's different influences. There's different experiences that have created certain opinions and certain attitudes. And all these things are like filters. And we're trying to see God through this glass darkly, is what Paul said. But we've got these filters. And, we've, and, and we're like, you know, God, 
to get a, you know, or cleaning it. You know, you got a dirty window at home, right? And you, what do you do? You know, these older windows where you have like the inside window and then you have the outside storm window, aren't those a pain to clean? Man, you got to go inside, you got to go outside, you got to move this one up, that one down, and reach in and then go back in and move, the, you know, and just to get the things clean and then the first rain that comes by, it's dirty again, right? But in God's glory... We see things. And really the word glory is an interesting word because it, it means really just to take something and to magnify it. Something that's already there, but to enlarge it in such a way that you can see the details of it. That you can see the fine print. If you can see the, the wonderful features that are involved in that. You know, when you're looking at something small and you're like, I want to really get a a good feel of what this is. What do you do? You pull out a magnifying glass and you, you put it over that and you look at it and you go, wow, I can see colors I couldn't see before. I can see shapes that I couldn't see before. I can see this thing in such a clear way. And so when the glory comes, what does God do? He just magnifies himself. He allows those filters that, that hinder us and influence us, that keep us limited in our understanding. He takes those things away and all of a sudden we're looking at God in a clear more magnified way. And we see things. And a lot of times when God shows up and he appears to people and he wants to, to make something known to them, a lot of times he, you'll see throughout the Bible, he'll say, behold. And that behold is him magnifying something and allowing that person to get a glimpse through the glory of something that is real, something that is part of the riches of his glory. And here Moses got to see the riches of his glory. You know, in Philippians 4, Paul said, "My God, sh four, uh, Philippians 4.19, he says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The Amplified says, and my God will liberally supply, fill until full your every need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So what are those riches? It's wealth, it's abundance, it's fullness, it's plenitude, it's something good, it's that with which one is enriched. And that glory is that that good opinion or favor concerning one as resulting from that praise, honor, and glory comes forth. It's splendor, it's brightness, it's magnificence, it's excellence, it's preeminence, it's dignity, it's grace. The kingly majesty which belongs to him as the supreme ruler. Majesty in the sense of the absolute perfection of deity. The absolutely perfect inward or personal excellence of Christ. A, a most glorious condition, most exalted state. The glorious condition of blessedness into which it is appointed and promised that true Christians shall enter in after their Savior 
has returned. Praise God. So in that glory, there's an abundance of the splendor of who God is. And then he wants to take that and he wants to supply all of your need. So what does that word supply mean? It means to make full, to fill, to fill up, to cause, to abound, to furnish, or supply liberally. I abound and I am liberally supplied to flood, to fill, to diffuse through one's soul, to make complete or render perfect, to carry through to the end, to accomplish, to carry out, to carry into effect, bring to the realization, to realize, to execute, perform, and bring to pass. So what he does is he reaches into his glory, takes those riches, and then he releases those into our life. And as they become released into our life, it becomes an eternal weight of glory. It's a substance. When you come into the glory in an area of your life or the glory of God comes into that area, it changes you. As, as the scripture says, we behold with an open face the glory of the Lord. And we're changed into that very same image. So what does the devil try to do? Like I said, he tries to blind people. He tries to distract people. He's throwing different things in there. You're heading towards God, and all of a sudden the phone rings. You're heading towards God. All of a sudden you get a care or worry, and next thing you know you're over here. You're trying to go this way, but he's trying to throw certain things because he doesn't want you to get into that glory because when he gets in that glory, whatever work he's done to, to put things on you, to hinder you, to weaken you, to, to cause problems in your life, he knows that when you get into that glory, bam, yeah. gets broken off. You know, when Moses was up there in that glory, his skin glowed like a light bulb. Can you imagine you're walking out, we're walking out of church and all of our faces are glowing like light bulbs? And we're going out to eat and we're going different places. <laughs> What's that? Aliens, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're not of we are not of this world. <laughs> we are from another kingdom. <laughs> That's true, right? <laughs> and so here Moses had that glory. It changed his actual physical skin. It freaked them out so bad, they said, you know what, we got to make a little hat with a veil for him. And they put that on him because they just couldn't look at him. You know, if it were me, I'd be putting my hand all over it, like, come on, come on. <laughs> I need some of that glory. <laughs> but in that, it faded away. Because it was an old thing. It was the old covenant. But also what happened in that place when he was up in the presence of God, he brought these tablets. And God wrote that covenant on those tablets. You know, the, the movie The Ten Commandments really puts a, a real graphic, you know, like the finger of God just coming down like a flame of fire. And 
right on that stone, and it just made that on there. But when we're in the glory, what does God do? He takes that word, and he writes it in us. When you, when you experience the glory of God in a certain area, it takes a truth, and it just burns it in your heart that you know that you know that you know that you know. That this is real, this is true, this is right, this is how to live. And nothing can change your mind about it. See, sometimes, sometimes we're trying to do things in the natural. You know, in the Old Testament, the, 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 the glory of God was symbolized in the Ark of the Covenant. So God had a, an outward thing, and it was called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant took those Ten Commandments, put it in there, took some manna, put it in there, and took the, the budded staff that Aaron had as the high priest and put it in there as well. There was a, a, an olive branch that, that uh, they did. A, you know, God was choosing who, which, which family was going to be the priest, and each leader of the tribe had to take a, a, a branch, and they had to put it before the Lord, and whosoever branch budded, Overnight, they were God's chosen, and it was Levi, and that's how he was chosen to be the priest. And so that budded staff was put in there, and it was in this box, and they had some cherubims on the top of it, and it was the Ark of the Covenant, and it was a symbol of the presence of God, and there's a great message in studying all of that. But they carried that around with them, and that was part of their worship in the tabernacle. And when they had a heavy battle, they would say, all right, we're going to be up. This is going to be a tough battle. What are we going to do? We got to get the Ark of the Covenant with us and bring it out to the battlefield because when we go out to battle, we're going to have the glory of God with us. And so they go out and they'd have victories. But if they weren't living right and they were worshiping false gods, it really didn't work. It wasn't like a magic charm. Their hearts had to be right with it. And so they tried to bring it out as a magic charm when their hearts weren't right, and it didn't work out very well. As a matter of fact, they got whipped pretty bad by the Philistines. The Philistines actually grabbed the Ark of the Covenant from them, and they brought it into their temple, and they put it right next to their god, Dagon. And they thought, ah, oh, our god is greater, he's conquering, and so forth, and they were pretty proud. And uh, they had a wonderful night of worship to their God. And the next morning they came in there and their God, Dagon, was laying flat on the ground. And they thought, that's weird. And they picked him back up, went about their, their duties. Next day came in there. Not only was their God laying face down on the ground, but it was decapitated and its hands were cut off. And they're like, you know, this is, this, something's going on here. And if that wasn't enough, all of a sudden the men started getting tumors all over them. And rats started going crazy through the town. And they said, you know what? We don't want this around here anymore. So they brought it to another Philistine town. And they got tumors and they got rats. And this was a bad situation. And they kept passing it from town to town. And finally said, somebody said, you know what? Let's just get it over to Israel. Let's just give it back to them. So they took it, they put it on a cart, they put a couple of donkeys on there, they put it on a road that led right to Israel, give them a little whip on the tail and said, go. And those donkeys or those cows just kept walking until they walked all the way into an Israel town. And of course they got excited because here comes their, their ark, the presence of the Lord, and they 
do an offering and they take the cows, those poor cows, they worked so hard to get the, the ark there and then they became the sacrifice for, for the altar and the offering. So let me reward you. So, and then, I don't know what, and then with, the, with that on the cart, they made little gold um, emblems of, of the tumors they had on their body and a rat. And so they put gold-shaped tumors and gold-shaped rats on the cart with the Ark of the Covenant. It just shows you how superstitious and, and ignorant they were. So anyhow, this cart ends up in Israel, and they're trying to bring it back, and they try to do it the wrong way because they try to use a man-made cart. They try to do it without the appointed Israel, uh, a priest to carry it, and it doesn't go very well for David, and, and actually what happens is somebody dies because the cart starts to shake, and, and Uzzah goes over there to grab it, and he dies immediately, and David freaks out like, okay, something's not right here. So they're, they're on the road, and this happens, and they're like, what do we do with this thing? Well, there's this guy over there. He's got a farm. His name is Obed, Obed Odom. Obed Odom. Those names back then, eh? So it goes in Obed Odom's property, and it's sitting there for three months. And for three months, everything is blessed. His crops are bearing more fruit. His animals are having, you know, multiple goats and cows and everything is just blessed he's like i like this thing in my barn you know he's having a good time everything's blessed and finally david gets it back and brings it in but see obedem obed odom <laughs> say that three times fast right his heart was right his heart was right and while the ark or the glory of God was there with him, it blessed him. See, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Why? Because all the, he says, All these things will be added unto you. Now, we kind of turn that a little bit as into a works, into a law. Like if I pray a certain amount of time, I will earn some blessings. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you. But what he's trying to say is, when you're seeking first the kingdom of God, the glory of God comes upon you. When the glory of God comes upon you, it's like having the Ark of the Covenant in your property. Everything gets blessed. He says, when you pray, go to your father in secret, and your father who sees you in secret praying, what is he going to do? He's going to reward you openly because of, it's a manifestation of him flooding your life, filling it. You know, sometimes we get certain things kind of full, but when the glory comes, it fills it to the top. Sometimes when we're, we get so far on certain things, we're, we're using our faith, we're, we're, we're trying to get to a certain point in certain areas, but we're not quite getting to where we know we need to go. How can we get past those final barriers? How can we get past those final hindrances? How can we get over those weaknesses? Well, we got to get more into glory. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 3. He said, because, of, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ 
and your love for the saints. He didn't say because you don't know Jesus Christ and you're really self-centered people. I'm going to say this prayer. He didn't say that. He said because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and because of your love for the saints. Ephesians 3.16. He said, I'm going to be, I'm praying for you. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. And in that eyes of your understanding being enlightened, you're going to know what is the hope of your calling and what are the exceeding riches of his glory. You see, just because we have faith in him, just because there's a, a love in us for others, there's still more, right? There's still another level. There's still a, a greater place. And Paul said, you know what? You're on the right track. You're heading in the right direction. So I'm going to keep praying that you don't fall short of that, that you go all the way. What does the Bible say about man from God's perspective when he sinned? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So God wants to call us to glory. First Peter, he talks about that throughout First and Second Peter. The, uh, the God who's given us everything we need according to his divine power to, to overcome our flesh, to walk in his power, to walk in his grace. He's called us to his glory and virtue. He's calling us. Come, come to this place where I can manifest more. See, as Christians, we can go through our life and we can be in a certain place. You know, in, in, in when you look at the Old Testament and you look at how the tabernacle was set up, there was, um, there was the outer court and then there was the inner court and then there was the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. But the Holy of Holies, that was the place to go into. Because that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. But a lot of them never got in there. They got to the brazen labor. They got to repent. They got to be cleansed. They got to certain altars where they could offer and have fellowship and give certain things to God and, and so forth. But who could get into that Holy of Holies? But now in the New Covenant, what did Jesus do? He tore that veil. He tore that veil, and he said, you know what? It's not just going to be to a certain family, a certain lineage, a certain priesthood. It's going to be to everybody. And he said, I'm going, to make, I'm going to make a way for you to come in there through the blood of Jesus that you can not only go in there, but you can go in there with boldness. That you don't have to have anything in your conscience, in your mind that's holding you back, rejecting you from being able to go in there. You say, well, you know what? I didn't pray enough. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I didn't come from a very spiritual family. I didn't, you know, uh, whatever it is. You know what the Lord says? Just come and yield and let, my, let me work on you. And you know what's going to happen? Those things that need to be changed, I'm going to change those. I'm going to change those things. What happens to us is when we're kind of in the outer court, we struggle with this trying to live right, do right, and we're having a hard time with that because we're still trying to do certain things in our own strength. 
And no, no matter how long you're in that place, don't give up. Just stay. If you have to go to the brazen bowl and be cleansed morning, noon, and night, just keep going. Because there's cleansing there. There's enough of the blood of Jesus to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But where you get to the substance is when you can tap into the riches of his glory. That's where something changes. You know, a lot of times we, 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 we accept things. You know, I'm, I'm sitting in my bedroom and I'm praying. And, you know, this weather is kind of fun to work with, right? You know, and, and when you have a, a, a two-story home, you know, where the heat goes upstairs, right? So it's a little hotter up there, and I'm in my chair, and so I'm trying, you know, I got the fan on me, but by the time everything gets cooled down and everything's working good, now I'm getting kind of cold, right? So I'm sitting there praying, and at first it feels good because I got the fan on me, but then after a while, it's like, you know, I'm getting kind of cold. Well, do I get up and move the fan? No, I sit there for the next hour with cold air blowing on me going, I'm kind of cold. See, why do I do that? I could just get up, go over there, reposition the fan a little bit, right, and be comfortable. But we're so used to allowing things to just linger that we can change, or God can change, I should say, in his glory. So wherever you're struggling, wherever you're trying to, wherever you're, you're like, you know, I'm almost there, I'm getting close, I'm, but I'm not quite there. Well, it's the glory is going to get you there. The glory is going to take all the things that are already in you, that are already active in you, and it's going to magnify it. So where you're, if your faith level is at a 5, you get into the glory, your faith level goes to a 10. If your patience level is at a 3, you get into the glory, your patience level will go to a 10. If your love level is at a 6... You get into the glory, it goes to a 10. So whatever, so, how, you know, when you're playing a game, right, you're playing, uh, if you got grandkids, you might, you might know this game called Shoots and Ladders, right? How many have ever played Shoots and Ladders? And so you're working through a board, right? But where do you want to land? You want to land where the ladder is because the ladder just accelerates you on that board. You don't have to take turns with the dice and go all the way around the loop. When you hit on the ladder, shoot. You jump ahead. When Jacob saw the house of God, what did he say? I saw a ladder come down from heaven, right? There's accelerations where God can do things in an accelerated way. Where God can take something where, yes, you can still go at the pace you're going. And it might take you a year to get there. It might take you five years to get there. But if you get in the glory, <laughs> amen. Praise God. So that's why Paul said, Lord, help them to see the riches of your glory. And Jesus prayed this in John 17. He said, Father, I pray that they would be one as we're one. And the glory that you gave me, I give to them. So what does that glory do? It makes us one. 
it brings us into that oneness and it releases. Father, we thank you so much. Jesus, you prayed for us to experience that. And we know that your prayers are answered. And so, Lord, we come in agreement with your prayer. We come in agreement, Lord, with your prayer. Lord, that your glory, that your glory, Lord, manifests upon us. That, Lord, whatever it is that would, that would cause us to be indifferent towards you or indifferent towards other brothers and sisters, Lord, we submit that to you. We let your glory just come into that area right now and tear down those walls, tear down those barriers. We just speak your glory right now. We speak your glory right now. We proclaim the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord will fill the earth. You said in your word, Lord, that the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth. And so we speak right now your glory, Lord, to fill this church, to fill the body of Christ in the churches in the Milwaukee metropolitan area. We just speak right now that the glory of God would manifest in a greater measure, bringing people together, bringing the body together, bringing us, Lord, to work together, to to love one another, to serve together. Lord, you open that doors. We declare your glory to manifest. We thank you, Lord, for the glory. Father, I pray right now that that tangible weight of glory, Lord, would just come forth. You know, when you're going through afflictions, when you're going through battles, when you're going through trials, Paul said this. He said those light afflictions... When you yield to God in the midst of those light afflictions, God turns it around and releases a weight of glory. That when you're persecuted, that the spirit of glory comes upon you. And so, Father, I thank you right now. Whatever afflictions that we may face or experience, Father, we thank you that out of that, out of our weaknesses, Lord, your glory is manifested. And that weakness turns into a strength. And that's why you said, Lord, let the weak say I am strong. Because it's in that glory that it's transformed. So we receive that, Lord. Father, I pray right now, just that tangible weight of glory. Lord, we just flood through this room, flood through this house right now. Father, I pray that it would just touch each one of us. Lord, that it would enhance our prayer life. Lord, that it would enhance our, our time with you, our fellowship with you as we read our Bible. Lord, that your glory would come upon us. Those words would jump out of the pages of our Bibles, Lord, and it would just speak to our heart and, and change us. Lord, as we would share the word with others, as we would speak these things, Lord, that you put upon our heart, Lord, that the glory of God would just manifest through us. Lord, that that glory would just manifest through us, Father. Lord, that that glory, 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 glory from you, Lord, would just manifest in such greater measure upon us. Thank you, Lord, for in that glory, Lord, in that glory, Lord, you renew our strength. In that glory, Lord, you renew our physical well-being. Lord, it's in your glory that we're sustained. Father, we thank you for that glory. We thank you, Lord, for that glory. Oh, yes, Lord, when we're just working, when we're on the job, when we're doing things that would seem somewhat natural, Lord, that your glory would just manifest upon each one of us. 
that the tangible presence of God would just manifest upon each one of us, Lord. That there would be this open door of your glory, Lord, that would come upon us, Lord, more and more. And it would draw us. It would just draw us into prayer. It would draw us into the, into the strengths that you have, Lord. And we would operate in your strength, operate in your goodness, operate in your righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your glory. Oh, we just desire more of it, Lord, more of you, Lord. Just like Moses prayed, Lord, show us, show me your glory. Lord, we pray, Lord, just continue to show us your glory. We've, we, we enjoyed so much of what you've done for us thus far, and we thank you for each and everything and all that you've done for us and all the blessings that you brought to us. But Father, we just desire to even see more of your glory, to be released in our life, to be manifest in our life, Lord, so that we can get through the filters, the barriers, and the hindrances, and Lord, that we can see you with an open face, beholding your glory being changed into the very same image. That's our heart's desire. In Jesus' name, amen.